I'm Spencer Jacob. I'm the author of The Revolution That Wasn't. Then I'm panicked about GameStop mania. you feeling i'm feeling just fine how what are, you are you fidgeting with over there nothing at all can you imagine what it's like to be me no it's I'm... disgusting and i've hit an age i like i woke up to there's three different age spots in the <laughs> worst possible places I, I i can't even look at a photo of myself because people must be on the other and go zooming in on these photos and go what the fuck's wrong with that guy <laughs> how much sun did he sit in i'm so mad at myself for my mistakes as a child canute our, our sins as ASU students and sun gods at playing golf without uh, lotion and hat. Yeah, that's that'll do it to you. I, I have nothing else to say. Do we have a show today? Do we have a guest? We have a show. Okay, so we, we have, have a, guest. a guest. Phew. Because sometimes we come up and you haven't organized us and we have no guests and then we don't do a podcast. Huh. Oh, well, that'll never happen again. Luckily, this time I got the guest. Yes, thank God. And uh, it's a special guest because we are going to talk about stuff that's fascinating to me. I rarely do that. I'm fascinated by the people, but I don't understand half the tough stuff we talk about because I'm in the process of learning, whether it's crypto or trading. Uh, but on this, this is near and dear to my heart because we have a true journalist. Not that he went to journalism school, which makes him, I think, a true journalist. He learned on the job. He was an analyst at Credit Suisse. I spent the last 10 years at the Financial Times for a while, which you can't, no matter how many clicks or how many uh, subscriptions you have, you can't get into a fucking article at the Financial Times. I hope they die. Uh, spam machine. And Credit Suisse, hope they die. They're terrible people, terrible products with their triple Lindy uh, inverse ETS. But he's, he's, he's moved on from there. And so now I only hate his current slave master, Rupert Murdoch. He is uh, really one of the good guys, Spencer Jacob. We've hung out a lot. He's always been supportive of community. He understands what it's like to build brand and how hard it is in the financial world to survive. He has written a book. I never sell books, but this book is awesome. I've never sold a book on this 200 podcast, so I think he'll hopefully he'll be excited that I'm pitching it and don't screw it up. But it's called The Revolution That Wasn't. Uh, GameStop read it and the fleecing. Again, I don't like that word. But we'll get into that. And the fleecing of small investors. My hypothesis, and we'll get into it, is that investors are going to get fleeced. Doesn't matter who did it. If we don't do it, someone else is going to do it, right? Um, and so the poster child, and whether they've handled it good or bad, we'll talk about that, is, is a company near and dear to my uh, kid's net worth, Robinhood. So, <laughs> Mine too. So, yeah, fleecing only meant to me before, oh, a Patagonia fleece jacket. Now it's a book. The uh, So Spencer will be here on the stand defending his book, although it's a great book and he means well and he's right about a lot of what's in this book because we didn't get what we were hoping for. And that's, I think, what this book is about. And most importantly to Spencer, because I read him all the time, uh, and, and again, I'll be honest with you, I, everybody writes headlines to get clicks. So even everybody does this and I sometimes click through links and I'm so mad and I'll, I'll say something so mean. And I find out a friend of mine wrote the article. <laughs> Spencer's been on the other end of that a few times. Oops. And uh, so he writes the hurt on the street column, which is read by millions of people, red, blue, white, 
black. Everybody reads uh, Heard on the Street. So that's like one of the most famous uh, financial columns. There's a lot of uh, respect and pride that's like Saturday Night Live that goes into that column. Uh, so please welcome Spencer Jacob, if he's still here. Spencer, the odds of Rupert listening to this between zero and one? I mean, the odds are never zero, but... Um, oh. Let's let's put it very close to zero. This is a kind of. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> hope. Been I'm nice gonna hope it's. Uh, I hope not. You know. I let's, hope let's you say. had enough power to get it in the 90s, but you're really saying it's close to zero. I I'm is sorry, that his I'm superpower? Sorry. He does not care. Well, um, I, I I will tell you, and I'm not his spokesman or whatever, and I can say whatever I want, really. But um, when it comes to to news coverage, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Let's the chips fall where they will. Um, you know, you, you remember uh, Bad Blood and the the whole um, Theranos scandal, for example. Yeah. You know, he had because his a, name a, was on the cap table, right? Right. Well, he had a significant financial oh. stake in that, and uh, and they approached him to kill the story. Uh, John Carreiro, my former colleague, who who blew that one open. And he, he didn't do anything. He didn't mention it. You know, what I mean? a book. So, what a movie too. Oh or what God. I uh, oh. I'm loving every bit of this yeah and she and was I mean, I mean so you know he's he's a you know at the end of the day he does does not interfere in, in, in stuff like that this is something i've written about my column is written about uh i wrote a book about it i spent i spent the last year and a half you know immersed in it uh i don't think he has any dog in this fight but if he did i don't think that he would uh would care i think he cares about us being ethical this is the opinion side of the paper and people often you know kind of give me a hard time or they give me a backslap for what's on the opinion side of the paper, which is editorially separate from the news division. News reports to a different person. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my, my boss is Matt Murray, who's the editor of the paper. He has nothing to do with the opinion pages. That's, that's a separate reporting line. So right. you can, well, you can complain I, about that, but don't complain about it to me or to him, you know? Oh, I don't complain. Yeah. I just don't read. And, and I think I don't read because I don't feel like I'm not a news person and news would just depress me. So let's talk about the markets and finance and what's near and dear to you heard on the street how important like that is like the bible of the wall street journal how cool is that what's that like what's the pressure like i mean the pressure is 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 like anything in journalism um i i like it i i i this is really what i wanted to do you know i took a i worked in finance i took a pretty huge pay cut to to get into financial journalism with the ultimate goal of doing something like this i thought that um that you know, research was dying. I was uh, a top-rated research analyst, and uh, you know, my boss couldn't believe it the day I walked into his office to to quit twenty years ago. And I, this is I wanted to write for Lex or write for Hurt on the Street, you know, and and mm-hmm. to be editor of the Hurt on the Street column. It's a team of, of fourteen people around the globe. It's great. I love it. My co- people are are so smart. Hurt on the Street, you know, has gone so through several smart. reincarnations. Um, but it's, it's been around for a, for a century almost, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, and the current incarnation is the best. I think it's, it's kind of been, you know, in this kind of, you know, uh, financial analysis and economic analysis and opinion since 2008, basically, uh, used to be more of a tip sheet. Uh, and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's a great read. It's a full page of the print paper for those people who still get it every day. It's pressure to put that together, but it's a, it's a joy too. It's a pleasure. Are you an online guy or do you still like to flex the paper on the subway? You know, I, I, I'm old fashioned. I'm not as old as you, but I'm almost as old as you. And, uh, oh, no, 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 no. No one's as old as me. Well, I'm, 
<laughs> I mean, I, at the at the Wall Street Journal, I'm almost like Methuselah there, you know, whatever. Wow, so I'm yeah. in my fifties. But I mean, I I like the print paper. I miss the print paper um, because I don't get it here. I'm you know many days I work from home now since COVID, and you know there's serendipity in reading the paper, right? Because you you're getting you're turning your the pages. eyes flow differently. You're seeing how it was meant to be laid out. And you're getting to the the thing that you wanted to read, and you might notice something that you had no intention of reading that Genius. you pick up. And the really useful stuff in the paper, as much as heard on the street is useful, the really useful stuff in the paper is on page A12. You know, it's something, it's not on the headline, it's something that's a small news item, like uh, new, rare... Working pneumo- its way to page one, maybe. Right. Odd pneumonia found in Wuhan in China, mm-hmm. you know, right? In, uh, in December 20, 2019. Well, that turned out to be mm-hmm. a pretty big story. Uh, defaults rising in, uh, you know, in Orange County in California, stuff like mm-hmm. that, that isn't at the front page yet. That's when it's really useful Correct. to somebody in finance. So, so you don't get that if you're looking, if you're zeroing in on something, it's more efficient to be reading it on the iPhone or, or whatever, but it's, uh, it can be That's more useful. That's a good useful, tip. So you're saying as cynical as I am, what would it cost me to have it delivered every day to my house? Gee, uh, by you. I think- by me, by me. Just by some I mean, I, th- I mean, I think it's it's not cheap anymore. I think it's in the, but I think it's like 300? less. No, it's. I think it's less than two hundred uh, a year to get the okay. the physical paper. It's unfortunately it's going away. You know, it's expensive for us to 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 do that, and the fewer people that read it, the more it costs. You know, the printing has been consolidated and whatever. But it's you know if, if it's worth it to you, I mean, to get the print barons, to get the print Wall Street Journal, the print even the Financial Times, which is very expensive now. It's it's worth it because you'll you'll see those stories that you you know you weren't looking for. So a smart person who just wants to be a little bit on the nose should just go whip it open, go to A twelve, and just kind of think about things. That's how you would start the day. Absolutely, I, I'm a real student of financial history, and yeah. so I will look back at like key turning points in in markets. I mean, I'll go back to 1929. I'll go back to um, to 2007. I'll go back to what you know uh 1999 and read through stories then and you you got no clue as to what was about to happen or at the bottoms at 2009 2002 1932 there was no clue as to the immense turning point that was then occurring right but if you if you go into the back pages there are lots of clues you know and so uh, that that's that's where you you find the well somebody could have you know could have sussed this out uh, but not from the things that the editors of the day felt were the most important stories. Okay, great. Which leads me to this topic today, because yeah. you just really offered me a nice segue into what this show should be about, and I'll have you on often if you're willing after this. Sure, yeah. Because I just love talking about this, and no one's going to hear my takes that I'm willing to share them with, and I think I'm willing to share them with you, because you'll be neutral and tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong. But... This brings us to your book, The Revolution That Wasn't. Um, you obviously had to turn this out pretty quickly. So so let me tell you, give you some background on how I think about this. Because okay. obviously I want you to describe the book and I just read it. Um, the GameStop thing happens, right? You and I as market historians or market, uh, we just live and breathe the markets. It was just like a magical moment. It was going to ha- to me it was just going to happen. Like if you told me in March of 2020 when my LPs were yelling at me for sending out a capital call like this, you know, I was like not on purpose. Uh, but certain, you know, people fr- were freaking out. It was as close to a freak out as you could get. But it, it tech did its thing or the miracle of tech allowed us to survive it in ways that no one thought we could in March 2020. 
and no one I always knew Robin Hood was inevitable, whatever the name was going to be of the, or whether it was eToro or Twitter creating a brokerage or Robin Hood. I just knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have told me that that would have been the amp up point. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's no way I would have pressed my bet in March 2020 on Robin Hood, of all things. But that was a moment when culture meets time meets fed. I don't know. It was a cocktail of explosion for certain things sports gambling even though sports were shut down ping pong on DraftKings. so how did it feel to you at that moment do you remember and and when did the idea of the book come yeah so um sitting around at the the wall street journal in early 2020 when we were still in the office and then as we all went home you know you would read things like you know wall street like some stock would go up you're like well, mm-hmm. why did that go up let's look for new- i didn't do you see any news i don't see any news and I'm like oh yeah they're talking about our wall street bets and it was just a joke right um it was it was was to me anyway because you know at hurt on the street we're not really writing about small caps and micro caps and then you know hertz is bankrupt and 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 then ostensibly worthless you know in in april or may 2020 and then it it goes up 200 percent you're like, why is the stock of this ostensibly worthless company going up? Oh, and they're selling stock, you know? And so it didn't rise to the level of writing about, but it rose to the level of kind of laughing about it. And that's how a lot of Wall Street looked at it too, mm-hmm. much to its later regret. Uh, at least a few people really regretted it, uh, as yeah. you'll read about in my story. Um, when it first occurred to me, it was late. So my, uh, I have three boys. My oldest boy is, is 23. He was uh, a college senior when this is happening. Home. He started the semester late because of COVID. It was January 25th, 2021. He came over to me and he said, Dad, are you, are you writing something about GameStop? I was like, no, why would I be? You know, I've driven him to GameStop a lot, <laughs> obviously. is a, You know, my, I have three sons who really love video games. But why would I be writing about it? So I took a look at it. It's up 200% in the past few days. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, why are you asking? You know, and it's my, my friend, Sean, bought the stock. And I said, well, so I do a bit of clicking. Well, they're talking about it on Wall Street Bets. And in my past experience, this might be a, a, an opportune moment to to take profits, just giving Sean a little free advice there because, um, you know, the, these things kind of peak pretty quickly. And he said, no, 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 Sean is not going to sell. He can't sell. And they, you know, that, that piqued my interest. What do you mean he can't sell? Like he can't sell it? And he said, no, 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 that's the whole idea is that you can't sell it. So I read the board some more. Within 10 minutes, I saw that something was happening that had not happened in probably a century, which was a, an attempted stock market corner. And that was fascinating to me because you you basically, it, it's not legal anymore, as you know, Howard, for, for you know a, two or three hedge funds to get together and gang up on a, a fourth hedge fund because they're short a stock, i.e. They're, they're kind yeah. of exposed to unlimited losses. Coyotes. They're coyotes. Right. But you can't do that. You can't legally collude to do that. But here were uh, several hundred thousand people doing it out in the open, not behind closed doors, on a message board. I was looking at all the messages going back to uh, October and November. Like, mm-hmm. holy crap, you know, they are, they're squeezing these guys and they're, they're giving them very little exit. They, 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 this can get very, very ugly. It already was ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, Melvin Capital lost almost $7 billion in a few days and other people lost lots of money. And the, to me, that was incredible. So that was my, my first thought. Well, now was, it's happening in nickel. It's happened now in different proxies. It has, but, but you can do it in commodities, right? 
but mm-hmm. and, and it happened in, in silver in 1980. In Volkswagen, story. I think, right? By, accid- by accident thing. in Volkswagen. Okay, uh, by accident. Where Porsche screwed up and did it by accident there because they were okay. stupid, you know, and they created a corner where they, there was not enough stock to buy to cover the short. But this was happening to, with deliberate purpose, and it was happening in order to inflict pain. So they, these people thought that they were on Wall Street Bets, thought they were getting a twofer, which was <laughs> to bankrupt hedge funds and make a ton of money at the same time. It didn't quite work out that way because they thought they were going to really blow a hole in Wall Street. They didn't like Wall Street. They didn't like people who put on suits and go to work on Wall Street. They didn't hate rich people because they like. By the way, do they like, know that? This is what's so funny because I get hated on as a suit, and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking stop wearing a suit before you did. Right. Which but, is funny how they call it suits and apes. I just have such a bone to pick with the way they think about things. But that's but so this generation. You have to understand, and that this is a key part of the thing is that this this generation. Uh, and I'm talking about, let's say, and it's about 80% males between the ages of 18 and 35, you know, that were involved in this. Mm-hmm. They, their formative memories, uh, were Wall Street. My parents lost their house or my friends, par- uh-huh. you know, parents' friends lost their house or I couldn't pay my student loans, whatever. Wall Street is the bad guy. This is great. I can, I can inflict massive pain on Wall Street and make a buck. Uh, and another fascinating thing about this is like several things had to happen all pretty much in conjunction for this story to happen at all. It's not just the story of what happened in January 2021. It's that story of what started happening a few months before the pandemic until that time. Lots of things had to happen all at once. For example, the the spread of uh, app-based gambling on your phone, gambling being you know legalized in most states, sports gambling, which young men especially love to do in mm-hmm. 2018. Uh, then you had uh, every broker imitating Robinhood in late 2019 going to $0 commissions. Then you mm-hmm. had the pandemic and lockdowns and sports disappearing and more than 10 million retail brokerage accounts being opened by people who had too little, most of them had too little money for brokers to have bothered with in the past. But with fractional shares and with $0 commissions, all of a sudden it was this fun new game for all these people bored and stuck at home and who didn't like Wall Street. And, and then game, you know, GameStop became this opportunity. It was like a perfect, perfect setup for this, this thing to happen. It, it, it could not have happened at a different time without all those things happening at once. And then social media, uh, played a, a massive role. And the algorithmic nature, it wasn't like a Yahoo message board, which I, I would, I naively thought that Reddit was like just an amped up version of that, but it's not. Social media, TikTok, but. Cause you YouTube, know stock tweets from the beginning. You know what right, it's Right. Like. Exactly. And you, and, and Howard hats off, you know, you, you saw that and you understood, you understood that investing in, in Robin. I knew it was coming. I didn't know how it would manifest. But but you saw the the overlap. You saw the yeah. the the crossover, uh, yep. and and having it both on your smartphone made this possible. So so Correct. that's that's that is just a fascinating fascinating story. And then the personalities who who made it possible also are fascinating. It might have happened without them, but it, it wouldn't have been as big without a few people who were kind of accidental heroes in in this whole story. Yeah. So, well, there'll be a lot of books written. Yours is going to be the best because it was thoughtful and you didn't rush it out. Right. Like there was movies, you know, I got pitched movies and I'm like, guys, you're missing the story. The story is just beginning. You can't you can't frame it as a game. This has been brewing and this is just the beginning. And so now we have heroes and villains. You use the word fleece. Is that to sell title? Why? If. Here's, a, here's my issue with the way this works. So it's a great cover. It's, everything's great, you know. Um, I don't have a bone to pick except the word fleece. Right. 
because and let's get into the word because it is, it is a it's a nasty word it's like right. fraud um and so i'm trying to thinking you know when because this has happened before with e-trade and, and uh, thundering herd of merrill lynch and yahoo finance and the message boards and then street.com and raging bull and then we had nothing we had nothing right oh one happened and we had nothing Right. Right. And my inspiration was YouTube when I started Wall Street and then Twitter. You know, I left CBS to go start StockTwits because I was like, Twitter is the fucking pulse. Like I was right. called Fred Wilson. I'm like, dude, this is the fucking this is the shit. This is the pipe that every hedge fund's paying as much money as they can to get as close to the Fed as possible. Completely distributed. Right. That's my frustration. If you talk about fleecing, it's if I use the word fleece and they didn't do it on purpose, it's the Twitter board fleecing investors for choosing the wrong business model. Because Twitter is all these things. This shit right. all went down in real time on Twitter. They missed the whole fucking, they, they, you know, this happened on Wall Street bets. This should have been happening on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. You know, Twitter this happened on Robinhood. Robinhood should be the, I mean, Twitter should be the broker. There well, shouldn't be the, a Robinhood. Well, you were the one who introduced the, um, you know, the the dollar, the dollar sign. thing yeah i mean that was you know no yeah, but they, what i'm saying is when i hear fleece this is why i always people go why are you so mad at twitter i'm like well i'm just you use the word fleece if the fucking management dropped the ball they could kill you know and that's right. what's exciting about elon musk they could drop everything they could drop all their ads and charge bloomberg wall street journal all these people hundreds of millions of dollars for access and give it everybody else to free and everybody would happily pay and twitter would survive with like 200 employees so when i think of fleece i think of that uh, i don't think Robinhood, DraftKings, these people woke up, Coinbase, FTX, wake up thinking they're going to fleece investors. They're, they're using technology, using UI and design. So where does the word fleecing oh, mean so, to you? So I, I don't want to go down too deep of a rabbit hole. The, the title and the no, subtitle. No, I don't know why. Of, I just want to know how the context of who got fleeced. The, the theme of the book is that there is a long, long history of investors deluding themselves by thinking that they can um, get one over on Wall Street. And the times when most people think that when uh, it are the worst times to be invested. And so the word fleece was um, a subject of some debate between me and Penguin Random House, the publisher of this book. Uh, you know, I kind of won half the argument. Um, I don't think that maybe it's the, the best word, but investors do get fleeced. I mean, the, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but they, but they fleece themselves primarily. Correct. Right. And, and Wall Street is all too happy to give them enough rope to hang themselves. And I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you just a little, I, I don't want to take up too much time, like going into my own story, but like, why did I take this massive pay cut to become a journalist? Well, it's a much more interesting job. But when I was, um, I think I was like, I was the youngest managing director in the equity department of my bank it was CS First Boston then. It wasn't Credit Suisse. But, um, you know, I wore nice suits and whatever. I'd never, I didn't even know what an investment bank was. My parents were, were refugees. They came to the, you know, to the U.S. with no, no money and no knowledge, no English in their 20s. I, we didn't know anybody who worked on Wall Street. I kind of got, got into it by accident. And, uh, you know, the kid you know, told me like, oh, I should take some classes at Columbia. You know, I was uh, doing a master's at Columbia Business School because, um, you know, the, I, I could get a really good job as an investment bank yeah, analyst. And I was like, okay, sure. And I loved the subject matter. I became fascinated with it and got into an investment bank completely by accident, had no, you know, I was really just attracted to it by the kind of the money and the excitement and being at the center of attention. And I, I would, go home. I remember I was like probably a director or maybe a managing director at the time, uh, maybe a director, I guess, you know, right before 
you know, months before the dot-com crash. And um, it was living in London and nice suits, everything, making a lot of money. Probably the only kid of my, kind of my parents' friends who all were in the same situation in terms of being refugees and whatever and having scrimped and saved who knew anything about the stock market. And they start asking me questions. I'm home with my, my son, who's now 23. My oldest son was a newborn. So this was 23 years ago. And they're asking me all these questions about this and that, Internet Incubator and, you know, whatever. It's a lot of companies that don't even exist anymore. And Cisco and Lucent, what do I think? And they made so much money in the stock. And I'm like, listen, you guys don't need to be doing this. And I really don't recommend it. And I, you know, I, you have how much of your money in this? Like, I really would just take money off the table. And they didn't want to hear it. And, and, and over the years, many people have not wanted to hear it when they, they thought that they were smarter than, you know, they were taking advice from, from CNBC. And th- that planted the seed of like, of like leaving that world and, and getting into financial journalism where I could do some, some good. Interestingly enough, you know, now all these years later, 20 plus years later, people, even though I'm more experienced and, and know a few more things, people are less interested in taking my advice because what do I know about money? I, I you know, I, I'm a, financial journalists. I mean, you know, I, I make much less than those people on Wall Street. So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, it, it's, I, I've seen so many cases personally of people just blowing massive holes, in some cases, losing their homes, losing their retirements, having to go back to work because they, they thought that they were very smart at those precise times that the market made them feel like geniuses. And the run-up to GameStop Mania was an, exactly a time like that for a whole new cohort of investors. So I feel very strongly about it. If leasing is not the right word, delusion, right? I mean, you've got to admit that people felt like geniuses when they, you know, it was very easy to, and they shouldn't have. And well, there's, a, there's a whole part of to Wall Street that made them, that, that was all too happy to take their money. That said, hey, no commissions, step right up, Right. But they're they're making lots of money. They were making more money than ever during this whole period uh, by these young people who didn't know better getting into the market and buying crypto and and trading a thousand times or some some of them tra- trading ten thousand times a year. It's stupid. Definitely stupid. But my my struggle here is like who are the villains and who aren't? You know, in the end of all this, the frustrating part for me when I look back at a career of trying to change or be a part or disrupt or evolve or just make money off this trend of the next E-Trade, the next CNBC, the next whatever, the next Wall Street Journal. Um, Here we are in 2022, and Goldman Sachs is strong, if not stronger than ever. JP Morgan is strong, is strong, and not ever. Warren Buffett, strong, is strong. You know what I mean? For all the bitching about tech giants, the old group still exists. Very frustrating. So it's like... I, I try and defend, it's just funny how, like, when I read how they want to blame the new people for doing this, it just seems, like, I know where your angle's coming from, it's just an interesting choice of word, because it really just comes down to fear and greed. People are stupid when it comes to their own fear and greed, and they chase things, and they have FOMO, and, you know, part of this comes down to people learning this language so it, you know the best thing about this for all the wrong reasons people did GameStop and all the ro- mistakes that let's say Robin Hood or, or the SEC has made and we at least onboarded another 50 100 million people to the idea of investing 
Do we agree there? Yeah, yeah. Or and I think, think and I think terrible. those those people will will fall into three groups. I mean, so there's a retirement crisis in this country. When does the retirement crisis start? Like mm-hmm. you, you hear all these articles about people who are. 60 years old and haven't saved anything or have $10,000 saved. Well, that's not going to last you very long, buddy. You know, good luck with social security. When did that crisis start? It didn't start when they were 60. It started when they were 25. Correct. They, they, they missed out on all those decades. Like climate of comp- change. It's, it'll slowly happen. And then it's just. Right. Yeah, it's, it, started it's with, it started with the steam engine. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and so it, it's good. I, 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 that's the one hopeful thing. And I say that in the book that all these young people at least got a ladder on, uh, their foot on the ladder financially. Correct. Um, and you know what? Some of them learned, uh, painful lessons and sometimes, and I've spoken with many people who said, you know what? I, I bought Enron or I did this or I did that or I bought a penny stock, you know, and you have a painful early lesson and it's it, in terms of dollars. Yeah. Per, in terms of percentage of your net worth, it might be high, but in terms of dollars that you'll make in your life, it's not very high. Good for you. You know, you get on the straight and narrow. Um, but I think the young people who got into stock investing will fall into three groups. One group will be like that and will say, like, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna, I know what now what I don't know. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna I have an account. I'm gonna, you know, and the soundest thing for most people to do is not to try to beat the market. I mean, you'll be yeah, beat eighty-five percent of people by buying Correct. index funds and just. Correct. And, and checking it infrequently, not checking it seven times a day Full like, like Robin, Robin Hood typical customers do. One, one group of those people will continue to try to speculate because the gambling bug bit them. And mm-hmm. I mean, gambling, I'm using that word deliberately. Uh, yep. and, uh, and they will have a very tough time. They'll pay a very heavy toll to Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and, and then, time. And time, exactly. And time is the most important. Time is worse than the money. Yeah. And, and then, uh, I think some small minority, I mean, there's this whole crazy cuckoo kind of, uh, subculture now of it's not over. The game's not over. There's going to be the mother of all short squeezes. I don't know if you just type in oh, MOASS into a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a browser oh, and see man. what comes up. And it's like a whole, and, and, and they, they think that they've been cheated. Like they, and, and this stems from what happened to Robin Hood. Robin Hood did a, well, a pretty poor job of explaining initially. And I understand why they, they did because they were in a real, dire straits for a few days there. It's an innocent explanation, but it, it seems like a conspiracy because it served some people so well that they had to prevent their clients from buying any more of the meme stocks on January 28th because they got a $3 million cash call in the middle of the night, which they couldn't well, possibly Well, it's a conspiracy meet. story that is just a real one. They got fucked. That's how the system works sometimes. Well, they fucked themselves, right? Because they because no, they because they did themselves? too good of a job getting people excited, and the people just happened to get excited all about the same stocks. Yeah, and and the clearinghouse called them up and said, "Listen, you know, what kind of risk our risk models are showing. You need to put up three million dollars of cash to you know to make sure that you're you're good for this." And they mm-hmm. couldn't do that, and so they said, well, "How about if we don't allow our clients to buy anymore?" And that they could just about cover it then, and it seems very convenient. But there's no, there is no conspiracy there, right? So there's no conspiracy to help hedge funds. It's, it's, it's just keeping themselves in business, which is... Correct. And I explained it in my book. That's probably the most boring chapter of my book. All these exciting chapters. It's the most boring, and, but the best. This was just survival. It was, exactly. And I just is, I have to explain that. But, but, but there's some subgroup of these people who are still consumed by this... And there's dark pools and there's this and they're hiding the shorts and, <laughs> I, and I get so much hate mail, Howard. It's, it's like, yeah. I, I, I mean, whatever. It's, it's part of, I, I get hate mail uh, anyway for my job. My but club. This is, I got rando drive-bys on StockTwits, even though I started it 
Uh, and then Robin Hood, which brought so much joy, and then the small select few that feel that they got ripped off. I hear their pain, but they are wasting their energy. There's so many more other enemies out there, right? Uh, including themselves in this business, and themselves being the biggest enemy. No one put a gun to their head to own GameStop. You know, just because it's going up and you think there's a short squeeze, people had no exit. Not that I'm condoning any behavior by anybody in this thing, but this is just bad investing. Well, it's bad investing, but I mean, I, I don't know. Are you are you sitting down, Howard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm always sitting. You don't, have a wee, you don't have a wee card or anything. Um, no. Okay, I'm just going to lay this on you. There, yeah. there might have been some gambling going on on yes. Robin Hood. Yes, there might, there might think, have there might been. been. Right, but so if it having, hadn't gone on on Robin Hood, you know, what's funny to me is, and I'll come back to your thought there, sort of interrupt, is that DraftKings and FanDuel have no oversight. And, and those kids, it, it's just amazing when I see, because I was a fan for an hour or two of uh, Barstool, mm-hmm. but to see how reckless that guy is, and this goes to the media and Twitter and all the problems of shameless behavior, to see whatever the kids from Barstool, what's his name, Dave you know, Portnoy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just lose the script and be so conflicted in a moment where he had everybody. He just fell into the same trap as Kramer and all these people, like acting as if he knows how the markets work and picking the villain and leading his own people into pen gaming at 100, 120, 130. I don't even know where the stock is. But these people were brokerages without SEC oversight. Kid goes home on a Sunday, bets on a sporting game and is miserable all week because he doesn't have food money. Uh, and that's DraftKings and FanDuel all week. Okay, but there's a fine line between that and and I know you're an early backer and and whatever. But no, it's the same thing. That it's and not Robin fine Hood, line. It's the it's same, the same, the same exact emotions. And the thing is yeah. that that so on the one hand, what I, I I point out in the book is that fear and greed have always been there. Human psychology is unchanged from um, from Neolithic times, right? Which is uh, makes us such bad investors. It's not. It's going to change very very slowly. Uh, not an, you know, it just will take many generations to, you know, to make us be able to survive in this financial jungle better. But what has changed and what is different now is that companies are much better at understanding human psychology, much better at pushing our buttons. And that, that it includes social media that has nothing to do with finance. It just happens to, you know, this is finance is just adjacent to it, right? On Reddit and YouTube and TikTok, where these influencers have, have shown up and started their stuff. And, apps like eToro and Webull and Robinhood, where they, they're very good at, at using the fonts and the colors and the FOMO and the showing you things that, that get you to be active. So they, they're good at pushing your buttons. And, they, and the resemblance between that and FanDuel, between Robinhood and FanDuel, is not coincidental. They look really not similar. Not at all. But let's be honest, 99, E-Trade, Schwab, were just the same things on desktops with all the bells and whistles and, and sounds and yeah, alerts. But, they, but these guys are much better, and it's on a smartphone. Oh. I mean, the friction is so much less, you know, which is the... Yeah, but the, whose fault is that? Like, that's just technology. This stuff was going to happen. Right. I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend myself, because when I invested in Robinhood, the idea was, oh, my God. Like, if you build it, they will come. I didn't think far enough. I was getting laughed at. Because the world was wealth front, and, you know, let's index. And I was like, the VCs, I was like, the VCs don't get it. Like, that's a nice little idea, but it's not a venture business. Whereas right. Robinhood, to me, I was only investing, I was getting laughed out of the room because, like, how are you going to make money? I was just saying, no, if they build this, people will come. I could not right. have foreseen GameStop and how they did options and the game of, I couldn't have seen that. 
to me, it just looked like a beautiful way to connect to a brokerage and to buy a share of stock. That's why I invested. What it has become, how could I control that? Well, I I think if Robinhood had not done it, then somebody else would have, of course. I mean, it's, you know, like, uh, but what I, I don't like are the rules, the fact that brokers regulate themselves and that they just, Robinhood has gotten a couple of fines, including the biggest fine ever in, in the history of FINRA for approving people who shouldn't have been approved for options and trading and stuff like that. But the, there need to be some guardrails. And I don't know what the guardrails need to be. The guardrails, uh, I, I think, could include just adding a little bit of friction, a little bit of cost. You can't tell somebody, hey, make your app less beautiful and less clunky. That's that's not going to work. Correct. But I, I, I think that these, these, these young people are... are kind of you know being taken advantage of by the by billionaires you know by who who built their billions or who who added to their billions uh from their money you know i mean there's ken ken griffin and people like that too i mean people who have you know long been on wall street who understand exactly what they're doing and you know they're making money off of the naivete of this mostly this young generation who really you know don't have a lot of money but all of a sudden it's possible to cater to them because of technology and and the fact that robin hood goes out and says you know, whenever you criticize them, we're just democratizing finance. How can you stand in the way of that and wrap themselves in the American flag? Finance is, because of these technological changes, finance has been democratized. It used to be very hard to get on the ladder. And today it's very easy and cheap to get on the financial ladder, which is a great development, uh, which I talk about in my book. I'm all for that. But then, but then people sort of, it's like, you know, having a smartphone, Howard, right? I mean, having a smartphone, you have all the world's knowledge in your hand. And, and teenagers are just as stupid as they were 50 years ago, right? I mean, and you have all this great knowledge. Maybe And dumber. maybe maybe stupider, right? And I mean, right, you still don't know what the Magna Carta is. And and, and so you, you can have the technology, but it doesn't mean that you'll use it for good. So where are we today? You can't, like... But at the same time, the old guys are playing. Credit Suisse has triple leverage ETFs that the SEC has, has approved. These are these are weapons of mass destruction. These totally. are built to destroy. Ramaha was built to onboard. The old guard is building products to destroy. Approved by the SEC. So this is never ending. I think what we have to do as books like yourselves is remind people that gambling is a real problem. Guns aren't a problem bullets are a problem you know what i mean like shooting people like being you know what i mean like we could have these arguments all day in america i just want i'm kind of in the center on all this i'm like oh my god we need people to invest we need people to build uh but when do we decide someone's an adult and how do we educate these people right beyond the magna carta because google solves a lot of education problems you can fucking google it so in a world where you can google it it is sad that people seem to be acting dumber than ever well, I, you know, Howard, I, I, it's, I'm at, at a loss. I do have some thoughts. I mean, education, you know, you'll, you'll have a, a company will get in trouble, right? You'll have uh, Vlad Tenev, you know, testifying to, to Congress. They'll say, what we need is more education. Education is kind of a cop out because what's the education? Here's uh, how to do uh, uh, an iron condor in the options market. I mean, that's not the kind of education that people need. The kind of education people need is like, listen, people... For example, I mean, this is here's a basic lesson that I you should tell any young person. There are two kinds of people you'll deal with in finance. They're the people who uh, get paid up front, 
and they're the people who get paid on the back end. You generally want Correct. to deal with people who are like a fiduciary who get paid on the back Absolutely. end, right? Absolutely. That's a that's a truism. I don't, Robin Hood's not going to who gets paid on the front end is not going to tell you that, right? They so, are paying paid for the game, right? So Vlad, listen, there's no argument. They blew it. You know, I don't know under the pressure how I would have done. So I'm not going to judge them, but like. When I invested, it was just like buy a fraction. They weren't even fractional shares. I invested because I was like, I imagine a day when, when everybody could buy two dollars worth of Berkshire. And I was, right. you know, I look at my blog post and I go, well, that happened. But sure, a lot of a lot of carnage along the right. way to here. Yeah, uh, you know, Vanguard had this technology fifty years ago. They knew how to fractionalize things. They just didn't open it to the regular people. Right. So, so it had to be reinvented twenty years later by the Robin Hoods, and and obviously crypto is taking it to the next level. So they blew it. It is kind of a bummer because that's just the media and the America building something up and tearing it back down again. And so I don't know where the next chapter of that is. It's still a phenomenal product. If you had told me that option when I invested in 2014, that options was going to be the way they made their money. I didn't, maybe I didn't know enough because I don't trade options or invest using options. Um, that I'm that I would if they'd show me an options product to start, maybe I wouldn't have invested. You know what I mean? So you can't it's it's very hard as a seed investor to see these things. And it's very easy to go after, you know, there's a difference between, I think, again, assuming Theranos story is real, that type of fleecing right. <laughs> versus financial fleece. Like regular consumer financial fleecing. I mean, that was a fraud from the get go. Right. No, well, yeah. And um, and so yeah. we have to educate people. That's what I mean by education, not about iron condors, but about storytelling. You know, this is all Jesse Livermore 2.0, right? Yeah. This is yeah, all is, fear yeah. and greed. This is all the same story, whether the person kills themselves or kills another person or blows up their own account. These stories have been told for hundreds of years. Right. And the, the easiest person to fool is yourself. But the the, the technology for doing that for people who have a vested financial interest in doing it, it's just a lot better now. And so that's that, that's what I wanted to tell in the story. And I, I'll be honest, the first 24 or 48 hours, I, I as soon as I, I, I told you the story of how I found out about this, and there was no articles about it yet. I, I sent an email. I had a three quarters written book proposal about something completely different. I, I sent an email to the acquisitions editor at uh, Portfolio, the imprint that, mm-hmm. that did this. And I said, hey, I, I've got an idea for a book and this, this crazy thing's happening. Like, oh, do you have a proposal? Like, no, no, no. This is, I read about this 15 minutes ago. This is happening now. Wow. And, yeah. and this is a crazy story. And to me, it, at first, it was a financial David and Goliath story, which was a very kind of simplistic version of it. I mean, there was another, there's another book out there by Ben Mesrich, which kind of just focuses on that, which is interesting enough, but there's so much more to this, right? I mean, how, how did it happen? Why did it happen? And what right. does it mean, right? And what are the lessons to draw from it? And that's and, and, and the lessons and, and, is the key. And that's what I mean by education. It's, right. You're going to get your education. Guess what? It's called participating. Yeah. Whether it's being fleeced in a wallet, uh, you know, in a crypto scam, or trading options against the house and yeah. against Citadel. Come on, people, open your eyes. But that's not the education. Is the participation. And, yeah. you know, you, you fall off a bike, you can't ban bikes. That's how you learn how to ride a bike. You fall a few times. If you're going to snowboard, it's way harder than skiing at the beginning. So I agree with you on guardrails. I don't know how we keep up with the technology at this point. The SEC can't keep up with, I mean, there's a Trump spack. 
for Christ's sake. Right, like, the SEC how do we hard. not know? It's how horrible. does the SEC even allow that? Like, if we're going to talk about intention to scam, like, here's my problem is like, how, where, what is this guy's on TV every day, Gensler? How does that get through? There is no I've, way. I've called, anybody... I've called up the SEC with like literal scams. Like, listen, I'm writing about this thing. I want to talk to whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll put you on with so and so. Listen, so this thing is happening and whatever, and we have no comment. You know, months go by. They allow the thing yeah. to go on and on and yeah. on and on and on, and hundreds of millions more lost. You know, and then yeah. they do something. It's like they just cl- they close the barn door after the horse is bolted. I mean, our regular FINRA and the SEC and and the stock exchanges too. Nasdaq is a you know um, is you know because it's a private company. I mean, how do you allow? A private company that has an interest in having all this activity and listings, but also has an investor protection function. I mean, how do those? How Correct. are those? How how do you reconcile those two? Of course, they're going to go for the money. So it's it's horrible. It's a travesty, you know. And so I, I, you know, I, I, the the SEC included, and the SEC is so captured by lobbyists, you know, and there's they're so timid. I mean, it really is an amazing moment in time because technology is completely and in the connection of tens of millions of people. Like that happened on Reddit, that happened on Stockton, that happened on Twitter, that happened on Discord. We are just at the tipping point. This is just tipped. The markets may not be what you like, but the next meme stock could be Exxon, right? This is not going to change. The manifestation of this will change. The vehicle, the whatever the subject is, will change. But the lesson, this is why I talk about education. This is about don't panic, don't chase, be careful about leverage, follow smart people, who consistently share information and and like there's not that much you have to educate yourself and don't do stupid things and but the tools are going to keep coming and now crypto is made at 24 7 365 so we're just getting started are you excited or, or about your job or your journalism and stuff just before we go and i want to come back and talk about other stuff but like are you excited is the book being received the way you liked it is it doing well um, the the book. I mean, I get many reader emails saying, "Wow, what a fantastic story! What a you kept the pages turning. It's a great book." So that's nice to hear. It got mm-hmm. nice reviews. It it did okay. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're reading this, go out and buy buy one for your mom and buy one for yourself and buy one for your friend because it's it's selling okay. I think I think maybe calling it the revolution that wasn't maybe just tactically like it, it just sounds like now in hindsight like. Nothing to see here, and there's a lot to see there. You know, there's I mean, a lot to see. I think the revolution yeah. is just beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but it's so easy. The, but, I, yeah. I wrote a book called The Wall Strip Edge because the editors paid me for that, and I said, why don't we call it the Twitter trend? This was back in 2008. And I go, what's Twitter? So you know, my book would have sold a lot more books in hindsight if I called it the Twitter trend. But yeah. you know, they paid me money, and they said, call it the Wall Strip Edge. We paid for you, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And the check cleared, and shame on me. I mean, it's it's a counterfactual. I, you know, I've, I got paid for a book. I got paid in advance, and I'm already paid for it, and right. and whatever, and and that's fine. I don't, you know, I, I could have stayed in finance and made so much more money. I mean, but I'm fine. I don't. I like journalism. I, I journalism is great. Journalists are great. I I like. Listen, I'm paid to to talk to smart people, read stuff, write something occasionally. Uh, I have a great, super smart team. You should always have people who are smarter than you. Uh, work for you, and I, I believe me, that's not that high of a bar to clear for me. And I have right. said there's it's so a many simple idea. It's great. Yeah, and and so I I, I really like it, and um, yeah, and so telling this story was great. I had to work really. Fast. I mean, I, I wanted to come to come out on the anniversary of the events, and so it was a, a real slog, you know. But I fall, every night falling asleep at the at the computer, every weekend, every vacation, every everything, you know. But it, I'm glad that it it came out. When it did, and uh, I'm I'm happy with the product. So you know, anybody who wants to shoot me an email and give me feedback and 
please do. I, I love to Easy hear to it, find you, know. you on Twitter. You're at? At Spencer Jacob, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-J-A-K-A-B, as in boy. And uh, yeah, just, just Google it, Revolution That Wasn't, Spencer Jacob. Uh, wherever fine books are sold, um, you can email me at the Wall Street Journal, first name dot last name at wsj.com. Uh, love to hear feedback and, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to get paid to, to do this, you know. Um, yeah, you're in the mix, man. You're mixing yeah. it up. It's, 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 uh, it's just like ultimate fighting the market. It's just digital war going on right now. Yeah. Pretty yeah, interesting yeah, time. Yeah, and markets are fascinating. You know, I mean, markets are an endless source of fascination to me. All right. Well, you're the man. It was great to have you on. Hopefully it was fun for you, but yeah. I obviously have many more topics to discuss, but uh, congrats on uh, being editor heard on this. How many years is that now? Uh, I've been editor uh, for three and a half years. Well, congrats on that. Fun talking to you. Uh, appreciate your insights and, and the passion about this subject, and we'll have you on soon. Super. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. K-Nut. Hey, how I knew are you? you would like this type no, of stuff. this is great. It's different. It's not, he's an entrepreneur in a way because he's running a team and did a book. Uh, whether you get paid up front or have a paycheck, it's very entrepreneurial to like tell stories. And uh, he's true. getting the hate mail. You put yourself out there, man. He does. Like we, I give him so much shit. Not knowing it's him. I'll see some article from Austria. I go, fuck this article. <laughs> and he goes, Howard, I wrote it. I go, well, the headlines suck. <laughs> and I'm always apologizing to Spencer, but oh, he has a good funny. I mean, he has thick skin, which is what you have to do. He's trying to get stories out there. And there are so many angles of this GameStop saga. And it's just people, when I say education, you have to read these books. You have to read this book. You have to control your network. You have to filter. You have to just contain those emotions. And like you've done for what, 20 years, you follow me. You never, you know, and it's worked for you. Yeah, It may not be the best strategy for you because you haven't opened yourself up to other people, but you filter through me. It's work. It has worked. And you manage your emotions. You're not going to get rich overnight. I realized one thing. You know how to do it. I don't. Well, you're not comparing me to anybody. What you decided was good enough for you, and you didn't want to invest the time. And that's genius. I'm kind of jealous of that. And so people need to learn there's more than one way to do this, and you're not going to get rich overnight. Anyway, Spencer Jacob, Wall Street Journal, Heard on the Street. Uh, hit me up if you if you want to get an intro, uh, but he's easy to find on Twitter. Uh, this is Panic with Friends. I sit here with Canute once a week. You can search my name, Howard Lindzen, anywhere on the internet. Uh, go to Spotify, search it, You can and YouTube and Apple. You can search my name and subscribe. And then every Thursday morning, you'll get an alert with the new podcast that drops with venture capitalists, founders, traders, uh, journalists like Spencer. And we talk about the future uh, and how to invest and how to make shekels. All right, everybody. See you next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.